Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. Have you ever wondered what your body will be like in heaven? I mean, I have. I hope mine's a lot less round. (laughs) Seriously, though, it's a question that obviously many people wonder, including, apparently, the baby church in Corinth. Hello, Hopeful. Welcome to episode 1938 of our journey together through the Bible, reading through every word of God's mind in print and considering life along the way. And sometimes that includes the reminder that we live a now and not yet life. And there is nothing that is more practical for today than recognizing that life and work are both material and spiritual now and eternally. What you do today matters. One important point before we close out 1 Corinthians, note that in what we are about to hear, Paul uses the term body, describing it as spiritual, that is, and this is key, totally under the influence of the Spirit of God. Paul means that the resurrection body will be totally holy due to the total influence of the Spirit, and it will be a totally spiritual body. There won't be any influence of the flesh or fallen nature on it. Flesh and spirit obviously are often contrasted uh, in the writings of Paul. Just an important thing to remember. We'll come back to that when we're done. We pick up just as Paul has argued that Christ's resurrection guarantees ours, and then he says, 1 Corinthians 15, pick it up in verse 29, Otherwise, what will they do who are being baptized for the dead? If the dead are not raised at all, then why are people baptized for them? Why are we in danger every hour? I face death every day, as surely as I may boast about you, brothers and sisters, in Christ Jesus our Lord. If I fought wild beasts in Ephesus as a mere man, what good did that do me? If the dead aren't raised, let us eat and drink, for tomorrow we die. Do not be deceived. Bad company corrupts good morals. Come to your senses and stop sinning, for some people are ignorant about God. I say this to your shame. But someone will ask, How are the dead raised? What kind of body will they have when they come? You fool. What you sow does not come to life unless it dies. And as for what you sow, you are not sowing the body that will be, but only a seed, perhaps of wheat or another grain. But God gives it a body as he wants, and to each of the seeds its own body. Not all flesh is the same flesh. There is one flesh for humans, another for animals, another for birds, another for fish. There are heavenly bodies and earthly bodies, but the splendor of the heavenly bodies is different than that of the earthly ones. There is a splendor of the sun, another of the moon, another of the stars. In fact, one star differs from another star in splendor. So it is with the resurrection of the dead, sown in corruption, raised in incorruption, sown in dishonor, raised in glory, sown in weakness, raised in power, sown a natural body, 
raised a spiritual body. If there is a natural body, there is also a spiritual body. So it is written, The first man, Adam, became a living being. The last Adam became a life-giving spirit. However, the spiritual is not first, but the natural, then the spiritual. The first man was from the earth, a man of dust. The second man is from heaven. Like the man of dust, so are those who are of the dust. Like the man of heaven, so are those who are of heaven. And just as we have borne the image of the man of dust, we will also bear the image of the man of heaven. What I'm saying, brothers and sisters, is this. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor can corruption inherit incorruption. Listen, I'm telling you a mystery. We will not all fall asleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound, and the dead will be raised incorruptible, and we will be changed For this incorruptible body must be clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body must be clothed with immortality. When this corruptible body is clothed with incorruptibility, and this mortal body is clothed with immortality, then the saying that is written will take place when it says in the Old Testament, Death has been swallowed up in victory. Where death is your victory? Where death is your sting? The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my dear brothers and sisters, be steadfast, immovable, always excelling in the Lord's work, because you know that your labor in the Lord is not in vain. Now, about the collection for the saints. Do the same as I instructed for the Galatian churches. On the first day of the week, each of you is to set something aside and save in keeping with how he is prospering so that no collections will need to be made when I come. When I arrive, I will send with letters those you recommend to carry your gift to Jerusalem. If it is suitable for me to go as well, they will travel with me. I will come to you after I pass through Macedonia. For I will be traveling through Macedonia, and perhaps I will remain with you or even spend the winter so that you may send me on my way wherever I go. I don't want to see you now just in passing, since I hope to spend some time with you, if the Lord allows. But I will stay in Ephesus until Pentecost, because a wide door for effective ministry has opened for me, yet many oppose me. If Timothy comes, see that he has nothing to fear while with you, because he's doing the Lord's work just as I am. So let no one look down on him. Send him on his way in peace so that he can come to me, because I'm expecting him with the brothers. Now about our brother Apollos, I strongly urged him to come to you with the brothers, but he was not at all willing to come now. However, he will come when he has an opportunity. Be alert, stand firm in the faith, be courageous, be strong, do everything in love. Brothers and sisters, you know the household of Stephanus. They are the first fruits of Achaia and have devoted themselves to serving the saints. I urge you also to submit to such people and to everyone who works and labors with them. I'm delighted to have Stephanus 
Fortunatus, and Achaeus present, because these men have made up for your absence, for they have refreshed my spirit and yours. Therefore, recognize such people. The churches of Asia send you greetings. Aquila and Priscilla send you greetings warmly in the Lord, along with the church that meets in their home. All the brothers and sisters send you greetings. Greet one another with a holy kiss. This greeting is in my own hand, Paul. If anyone does not love the Lord, a curse be on him. Our Lord, come. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you. May love be with all of you in Christ Jesus. And that is the end of 1 Corinthians. So just to reiterate, it's not body bad, spirit good. That's what the Greeks in Paul's day thought. And well, and sadly, we something it's something we encounter still in the church. But Paul uses flesh versus spirit analogically to contrast the well, the broken operating system of this world versus the perfect and perfectly integrated life we will one day be blessed with. Now, turning to our Old Testament segment, uh, surprise, <laughs> we pause our reading barely into Isaiah to bring you another contemporary of his, Micah. And I'm going to give you a little longer than average intro. This from F.F. F. Bruce, because I think it just sets, helps us set the table. F.F. Bruce writes, Like any of the prophets, Micah cannot be appreciated apart from his historical setting, and a thumbnail sketch of the period is therefore in order. The second half of the 8th century was a turbulent one for the small states of Western Asia. After the death of Jeroboam II of Israel in 746 BC, the northern throne was occupied by a parade of worthless pretenders, all equally ineffective in countering the growing power of an Assyria that became strongly expansionist after the accession of Tilgath, uh, Tiglath-Pelesar III in 745. Pekah ben Remaliah of Israel formed an anti-Assyrian coalition into a into membership of which he attempted to coerce King Jotham of Judah. The death of Jotham in 735 BC left his son Ahaz to deal with the situation. Despite the advice of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 7 that we'll get to here in a couple days, Ahaz appealed to the Assyrians for help, as we saw in 2 Kings 16. The coalition was crushed, and Pekah's assassin and successor Hosea, Hosea submitted to Assyria. Judah had escaped, but at the desperate expense of becoming an Assyrian vassal herself. This meant not only heavy tribute to be paid, but also the official acknowledgement and acceptance of the suzerain's gods. Ahaz apparently cared little for this, or for the loosening of ethical standards which such syncretism always brings with it. It is in this period that much of Micah's invective against social ills is best placed. Micah Stern at the beginning. The word of the Lord came to Micah the Morishite, what he saw regarding Samaria and Jerusalem in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, kings of Judah. Listen, all you peoples, pay attention, earth, and everyone in it. The Lord God will be a witness against you, the Lord, from his holy temple. Look, the Lord is leaving his place and coming down to trample the heights of the earth. The mountains will melt beneath him, and the valleys will be split apart, like wax near a fire, 
like water cascading down a mountainside. All this will happen because of Judah's rebellion and the sins of the house of Israel. What is the rebellion of Jacob? Isn't it Samaria? And what is the high place of Judah? Isn't it Jerusalem? Therefore I will make Samaria a heap of ruins in the countryside, a planting area for a vineyard. I will roll her stones into the valley and expose her foundations. All her carved images will be smashed to pieces. All her wages will be burned in the fire, and I will destroy all her idols. Since she collected the wages of a prostitute, they will be used again for a prostitute. Because of this, I will lament and wail. I will walk barefoot and naked. I will howl like the jackals and mourn like ostriches. For her wound is incurable and has reached even Judah. It has approached my people's city gate as far as Jerusalem. Don't announce it in Gath. Don't weep at all. Roll in the dust in Beth Leafra. <laughs> Depart in shameful nakedness, you residents of Shephir. The residents of Za'anan will not come out. Beth Ezel is lamenting. Its support is taken from you. Though the residents of Maroth anxiously await for something good, disaster has come from the Lord to the gate of Jerusalem. Harness the horses to the chariot, you residents of Lachish. This was the beginning of sin for daughter Zion because Israel's acts of rebellion can be traced to you. Therefore, send farewell gifts to Moresheth Gath. The houses of Akzib are a deception to the kings of Israel. I will again bring a conqueror against you who live in Marashah. The nobility of Israel will come to Adullam. Shave yourselves bald and cut off your hair in sorrow for your precious children. Make yourselves as bald as an eagle, for they have been taken from you into exile. Woe to those who dream up wickedness and prepare evil plans on their beds. At morning light, they accomplish it because the power is in their hands. They covet fields and seize them. They also take houses. They deprive a man of his home, a person of his inheritance. Therefore, the Lord says, I am now planning a disaster against this nation. You cannot free your necks from it. Then you will not walk so proudly because it will be an evil time. In that day, one will take up a taunt against you and lament mournfully, saying, We are totally ruined. He measures out the allotted land of my people, how he removes it from me. He allots our fields to traitors. Therefore, there will be no one in the assembly of the Lord to divide the lands by casting lots. Quit your preaching, they preach. They should not preach these things. Shame will not overtake us. House of Jacob, should it be asked, Is the Spirit of the Lord impatient? Are these things the things he does? Don't my words bring good to the one who walks uprightly? But recently my people have risen up like an enemy. You strip off the splendid robe from those who are passing through confidently, like those returning from war. You force the women of my people out of their comfortable homes, and you take my blessing from their children forever. 
Get up and leave, for this is not your place of rest, because defilement brings destruction, a grievous destruction. If a man comes and utters empty lies, like, I will preach to you about wine and beer, he would be just the preacher for this people. I will indeed gather all of you, Jacob. I will collect the remnant of Israel. I will bring them together like sheep in a pen, like a flock in the middle of its pasture. It will be noisy with people. One who breaks open the way will advance before them. They will break out, pass through the city gate, and leave by it. Their king will pass through before them, the Lord as their leader. Micah chapters 1 and 2. My friends, we wrap today and for the weekend with a reminder that in every age, believers are dismayed at the impunity of the violent and the criminal and the vile and the ungodly, but God remains the hope of the hopeless, and he knows your troubles too. Pray this with me, Psalm 10. Lord, why do you stand so far away? Why do you hide in times of trouble? In arrogance, the wicked relentlessly pursue their victims. Let them be caught in the schemes they have devised. For the wicked one boasts about his own cravings. The one who is greedy curses and despises the Lord. In all his scheming, the wicked person arrogantly thinks there's no accountability since there's no God. His ways are always secure. Your lofty judgments have no effect on him. He scoffs at all his adversaries. He says to himself, I'll never be moved. From generation to generation, I'll be without calamity. Cursing, deceit, and violence fill his mouth. Trouble and malice are under his tongue. He waits in ambush near settlements. He kills the innocent in secret places. His eyes are on the lookout for the helpless. He lurks in secret like a lion in a thicket. He lurks in order to seize a victim, and he seizes a victim and drags him in his net. So he is oppressed and beaten down. Helpless people fall because of the wicked one's strength. He says to himself, God has forgotten. He hides his face and will never see. Rise up, Lord God. Lift up your hand. Do not forget the oppressed. Why has the wicked person despised God? He says to himself, You will not demand an account. But you yourself have seen trouble and grief, observing it in order to take the matter into your hands. The helpless one entrusts himself to you. You are a helper of the fatherless. Break the arm of the wicked evil person until you look for his wickedness, but it can't be found. The Lord is king forever and ever. The nations will perish from his land. Lord, you have heard the desire of the humble. You will strengthen their hearts. You will listen carefully, doing justice for the fatherless and the oppressed, so that mere humans from the earth may terrify them no more. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.